Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Uh, hey, we are in a brand new series called Nine to Five. Um, yeah, what a fun video that was. That was fun to film. So anyway, uh, great to have you here today. Brand new series, like I said, nine to five. I haven't done one of these series in a really long time, but I actually think it's overdue. I think it's, it's incredibly important because when you think about your life, let's just think about it real quick here. Engage with me for a second here. Um, let's just say you're Monday, right? You got 24 hours in a day. And so you're sleeping, hopefully seven hours. How many get, how many get seven? How many get eight? Yeah, good skin. Good, yeah. Um, no, there's no bags under your eyes. How many are only getting six hours? All right, we need more people. All right, five. This is the walking dead right here. Um, so uh, anyway, get, get more sleep. Sleep is good for you. Rest is a principle in scripture. But anyway, um, that, that was free. That's not even in my notes. Uh, if you're sleeping, let's just say you're sleeping seven hours. Walking dead people need to get more seven hours, right? And so then 24 minus seven, you start taking that down. And then like, how many commute? You got to commute? All right, let's do this real quick. How many commute at least half an hour to work? You commute. That's not too bad. How many commute at least an hour? Two hours. I'll see you down front here later for prayer. Because you have anger issues. You can't not. You commute too. Anyway, um, so, so then you got sleep time. You got commute time. How many you eat? Two or three meals a day? Yep, you eat. Some of us four or five. So, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a four meal person. Um, so anyway, we eat, so you just keep subtracting time, right? And then what you realize is, is that the bulk of your day outside of sleeping is spent where though? At work, like Monday through Friday, the bulk of your time, that's why we go, is that nine to five? And some of us wish we actually just worked nine to five because when you throw in commute and you throw in the boss and the overtime and the extra and ah. And so this was a huge, 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 huge chunk of your life, and there's a temptation in you, especially if you believe in God, there's a temptation of you to compartmentalize life. And so what you say is, you say things like, well, I have my home life, and then I have my work life, and then maybe I have my spiritual life, and then I have my, and you have all these different lives, you know, whatever. And, and so what I want to make sure that you understand is that life is not really compartmentalized, that God looks at everything, God speaks into everything, God wants to be engaged into everything, and that includes your nine to five. And here's, here's what I also know about your nine to five too. If you ever get a group of friends together and um, you start a good conversation and you start, this is, this is what I want you to bring up. What kind of jobs did you have coming up? What kind of jobs did you have as a teenager? What kind of jobs did you go through as a young person? Because it's some of the best stories, right? Like what kind of job? Because we'll do this every once in a while. I'll go back and be like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Now, let, let me ask a question. How many of y'all had, and I don't know how to say this. I'm not trying to be crass. I just don't, I don't, how many of you had a, a real crap job when you were younger? Just a real, just awful, I don't know how to say it, it's just a crap job. You did it because you had to, you did it, but it was, it was a crappy job. How many of you never had a crap job? You guys missed out on life. I'm telling you, crap jobs develop character. They really do. All right, so, all right, well, if you didn't have a crap job, you probably had a job that was less than or not as cool as other jobs. So, so I, want you, I want you to think of the worst job you ever had. You ready? Think about it. You got it? All right. For, for the next 20 seconds, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them the worst job you ever had. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, tell, what's, what's, what's your crap job? Worst job you ever had, what is it? <clears throat> There's a lot of laughter going on, a lot of smiles. At the time you had that job, there were tears. 
Now there's only smiles. Okay, did anybody have anything that kind of shocked you? I was like, oh my gosh. You know, you know what the worst job I ever had was? I had two really, really worst jobs. I know that's not possible, but it is. Um, one, one of the jobs that I had was when I was in Bible college, during the summer, I, I stayed through. I didn't go home for summer. I stayed there, and I was working. I don't, I don't remember why I did this. In hindsight, I think it was dumb. No, you know what? No, I know why I did it. It was for a girl. But <laughs> the girls make you do dumb things. So um, in, in, a, in, a, in a good way, if it's your wife. But I, I stayed, and what I had to do during the summer was, um, you ever wonder, like, who cleans the movie theaters? I clean, I'd go in at midnight after, like, the late show and vacuum out movie theaters. It was the worst. Oh, my gosh, it was awful. I didn't, I didn't last very long. I think I did it for, like, a month. And then you know what my other worst job was? And you can forgive me in advance. Just, just tons of grace towards your pastor right now. Are you ready? You ever had people call you? at dinner time and solicit you to try to like get you to buy stuff that you don't want or don't need. And I only did that for like one month too, because it's depressing. People cuss you out. Yeah, you're forgiven. Okay. I, if you'll forgive me, I, I called you. I solicited that anger and verbal abuse from you. That's my fault. And so uh, anyway, it was off. I did. I felt so bad because I was like looking at the the stuff I was selling, I must have said a different word. I, I, the stuff I was selling, and I was like, nobody needs this. This is stupid. I feel like I'm taking, I, I, I literally couldn't with a clear conscience keep working at that job. But, but one, here's another job I had, just so you, you can get to know your pastor real quick here. I, I used to work at a, a, a Jewish deli. Yeah, a little Reuben sandwich, sauerkraut. Yeah, I used to work at a Jewish deli. Um, I was a lifeguard. Uh, worked at a Christian bookstore. Oh, I worked at a men's clothing store. You're laughing. You remember that? It was in Grand Haven. It was like, it doesn't exist anymore. It was called like Bass Men's Clothing. I'd, you'd come in and be like, hi and welcome. We have khaki pants on sale. <laughs> it was terrible. I didn't work there long. You can tell I didn't work at a lot of these jobs very long. You know where I worked for a while? Blockbuster. Do anybody remember Blockbuster? Bam! I can still give you my, my, uh, my employee code, 226 so if we can find like a Blockbuster store that closed down, we can go in and raid the place for that code, I bet. And so uh, if you don't know what Blockbuster is, yeah, we, we, we dislike you. If you don't know what Blockbuster is, we don't like you because you're too young. Um, yeah, that's a dinosaur. What else did I do? I don't remember. I'm sure I did construction for a little while. I just really, I really just moved trash. That's all I really, I didn't, they, they didn't trust me with a hammer yet. So um, Anyway, all kinds of fun jobs, but it, what's funny is, is that when you reflect on all the jobs that you have, it's easy to get caught up in, oh, this was a bad job, that was a bad job. How many of you had a bad boss, a bad manager? How many had like bad like coworkers and you didn't like them? And it's so easy to get caught up in the grind. It's easy to get, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, um, you know, how much money we're making or can we get that or can we transfer here or how am I going to get ahead or I want to quit that job or I want to start my own business. And, and here's where I want to go this morning, especially this morning. I have to give you, I think really two big foundational ideas that are so important that if you miss these, nothing else I say is going to be important. So big idea number one comes from the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, it says something so interesting. So now this is me as a young man, new believer. When I first read the Bible, I noticed that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that they both got into trouble and, and women got their own trouble and, and their own version of punishment and men got their own punishment. Do you remember what the man, what it was? 
It was like thorns and thistles and the earth. And, and you're like, wait a minute. And so I had this belief that like work was a part of the curse. Like work was hard because we're bad, right? So because we're sinful, work is harder. And that's just the way that I looked at it. And then what dawned on me was, is actually that's not true at all. That yes, and this is, this is a total freebie too. If you, if you want to get your head wrapped around sin and why God doesn't like sin, it's because sin always makes your life harder than it ought to be. Okay, I'm just gonna, so, but, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, look at the scripture. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this. In verse 15, it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Everybody say, work it. Yeah, not like a club, but like, just like work it. And, and take care of it. So this is Genesis 2 before sin. So before anything bad ever happened, when the world was just as God had intended and designed it, just when it was this perfect garden-esque environment, again, you got to just get your head wrapped around the principles here, is that work was already there. So God, this is the big principle that I want you to take away, is this is that God designed you for work and, and, and he takes pleasure when you work well, like you need to like just, okay, okay, wait a minute. As a matter of fact, if you go and, and read all of your scriptures on maybe um, heaven and what happens after this life, I'm gonna, this could, be a, this could be a game changer for some of you. When we die, we don't turn into chubby babies with wings, sit on clouds with harps and do nothing. Okay, that's cartoon theology. That's not real. That's what like Tom and Jerry would do. It's not what the Bible teaches, okay? So what the Bible teaches is that there's a new heaven and a new earth and based on all kinds of things that even Jesus says is that there will be work in heaven because God designed you for Everybody say work is good. Like work is good. It's good to work. There's something that it does in us and to us and for us and God has designed us for us. It's somehow hardwired into our DNA. That's why we naturally try to like create and design and figure things out. We naturally want to like, that's just the way that it is. We want to tinker and build and play and try and experiment. That's hardwired into our DNA. Now, yes, sin makes work harder sometimes, but the original design is that God delights in you working and in you working well. Everybody say, okay. Now, but let's leap forward because you and I don't live in the Garden of Eden and work is sometimes hard and work sometimes is difficult. And because of that, we get off track. And this is where we're going to go for the rest of the day is in this second big principle. But, but let, let's build something real quick here because the, the problem with work being hard or being difficult or being challenging, or let's just be honest, bad bosses, bad coworkers, awful commutes. Sometimes you, you, you look at what you do and you're like, what I do is dumb. I could just I could never show up for work again and they wouldn't even care or my company could cease to exist and the world would be just fine. Or you, somebody... And so it creates in us a wrong mentality. And here's where we typically go. When we think of work, when you and I think of what we do, we typically think of what? Where and how much I make, right? Let's just be honest. That's where our brain normally typically goes first and foremost. Where do I work? And how much do I make? Those are the two big ideas. But what you will see today is this is what's important to God is not where you work. That's not the most important thing to God. And how much you make. That's not so much important to God. What you'll find is important to God, as we'll see here today, is this. It's what you do where you are. 
right now. Like that's the most important thing. And to prove it, I want to show you something from the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, go to Colossians chapter three. And I want to take a look at something very specific that the apostle Paul wrote that I think he lands the plane on this second big principle. Not only is this, number one is this, is that God designed you for work and work is good. That's, a, that's number one. The second one we're going to dive into is, is how God wants you to actually work. So in the book of Colossians, let me give you the context before we read it real quick here. In in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul is writing, and usually near the end of a letter that he would write, he'd get heavy into like application. Like, so in light of all these big theological ideas, here's what I want you to do. And so he starts addressing like men. He's like, men love your wives. And he starts addressing wives. His wives honor your husbands. He starts addressing children, like children obey. And then parents quit wearing out your kids. And he just kind of goes through all this stuff. But then he does something that's not in a lot of his other writings. And he starts talking about work. Everybody say work. Now, he even wraps it around two big, weird ideas, because the first thing he does is he addresses slaves. Then, after he he addresses the master. So, when he addresses the slaves, you ever thought about this? What would the Bible say to a bunch of slaves? Because what would you say? Like, run! Get out of there! Punch them in the mouth and go as quick as you can! You know, whatever. And and what... We're early here. So, but what he he says to slaves is this is is so huge. He goes, no. Be the most incredible slave you can be. Be the hardest working, the kindest, the most honorable. He's like, be great at it. And then when he addresses masters, you would think he's going to like hammer them and come down hard on them and be like, what are you doing? And get your head out of, you know, that, like, what? and he doesn't. He says, you know what, masters, you'd be incredible masters. You'd be kind, you'd be gracious because you have a master and what you do now will have some consequences. And so, and again, their slavery is probably not what we think of as slavery. You got to remember they didn't have the type of systems and governments that we had. And so if you ever fell into debt, you had to go work yourself out of debt and they would just call you a slave. Or if you were a prisoner of war, rather than kill you, you'd go work off that and, and you, you'd, you'd get back your freedom. Most people were never slaves for their lives. They were slaves for a temporary period of time. And so, but in the middle, in the middle, he addresses me and you because nobody in here is a slave. Okay. If not, I'll, I'll, we'll get you free. So nobody's a slave. And nobody's a master in here. Even if you're the owner, you're not the master. Okay, let's, let's, let's bring that back a little bit. You're not the master. You're, you're somewhere in the middle. And somewhere in the middle, Paul addresses this idea of work. Let's read it together. The Bible says, whatever you do, this is Paul, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Now, there's just a couple little verses we're going to read today, but they're huge and they're jam-packed with all kinds of thought. I say, Whatever. This is so important that you get this. Everybody say, everybody say whatever. Like whatever you do. So he introduces this idea of like, do it with all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord. But he starts with like, whatever you do. Making a Reuben sandwich. That's included. Vacuuming theaters. That's included. Pulling a lever, making phone calls, doing data entry. Whatever it, calling people at dinner time. No, don't even do that with all your heart. Just quit your job. But whatever you do, like, like God, my, my point is this, is that there's a temptation in you and I to say, well, I'll give my best when I do something that I love. Well, I'll do my best when I find my dream job. I'll do my best when that lousy, no good manager stops being a jerk. I'll do my best when. And the Apostle Paul gives no out to this. He just says, whatever you do, no matter what it is that you do, no matter how seemingly insignificant it is, no matter, you know, if... You know, because you're sitting there thinking, why would I, 
Why would I do that with all my heart, Todd? You don't, you don't understand what my job is. And the Apostle Paul's like, I don't even care. I've talked to slaves. I've talked to everybody in between slaves and masters. And whatever it is that falls in between those two things, which is pretty much everything, he goes, that's what I want you to do. And then he says this, this phrase that you and I would say, because we tell our kids this stuff, like, hey, do it with a good attitude. Do it with all your heart. That's what we, we would say. And he uses the same vernacular. And he's saying this, with all your effort, all your diligence, all your creativity, with all your gusto, you give and do your absolute best. So whatever you do, do it with all your heart. And this is, the, this is the weird part. And this is, now, if you're not a believer, you can discount this next part. But if you're a Christ follower, you gotta you got you got buy into this. Um, as a matter of fact, everybody say next week. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, get back in here next week for sure because next week will be huge whether you believe in God or not. It, it, it's gonna change your upward trajectory in life. But it's gonna be huge. But this one, you gotta be a believer to believe this one because what you're, now if you go and you do whatever you do with all your heart, that'll be best for you. But if you're a Christ follower, there's this shift that you make in your heart and in your mind. And the shift is, is as if I was working for the Lord, not for men. So this is the shift that you take. This is the, the, the changeover that you make in your mind that now when I go to my work, because normally like when you go to work, you think I'm working for the man, right? I'm working for the company. I'm working for my boss. Even if you, let's just be honest, some of you own your own business and I, I congratulate that. I mean, you think I work for myself and I say, no, you don't. Not if you're a Christ follower. I don't want you to work for yourself. I don't want you to work for the company. I don't want you to work for the man. I don't want you to work for your manager. I don't want you to work for your boss. That is all secondary to this big idea as working for the Lord. What that literally means is this. It's just this weird leap and this thing, this almost thought experiment you need to jump into. What would it look like if I went to work tomorrow and I thought of Jesus as my boss? What if I went to work tomorrow and I thought of the Lord as the one that I was doing this for us. I was pulling the lever, uh, stamping that, punching the paper, filling out that form, calling those people, whatever it is that you do. What if I did it as if I were working for the Lord? Because we, listen, I know what it's like to work for a human master or a human boss or whatever. I know what that's like because I had them all and I had good managers and I had bad managers and I had jobs that I like. I had a Christian bookstore best manager in the world, coolest dude in the world. And he let me take all the books home that I wanted. It was a fun environment. I love that job. And then of course, then there was other jobs. Like I was a, a, a server at a restaurant for a while and I was awful at it. You ever been just awful at your job? I, mean, I was terrible at it. I remember serving tables and it was a really nice restaurant. And I remember when it became clear to me that I was not made for waiting tables. This is it's, 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 it's like on my brain still, okay? Because they served breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they, this big, huge family came in, and I had them for breakfast. And it was huge. There was like 10 or 12 of them. And I messed the order up and was all over the place. And, and, and I just botched it. You ever had just a bad server? And by the way, this is what I did, because I worked there for, for about a year and a half. And I remember for the entire year and a half, if I ever botched the table, I'd be like, I am so sorry, I'm new here. And I, I'd use that... I just felt like my definition of new is basically forever. And, and so I used, that, I used that for the entire year and a half that I worked there. And I just realized, because what happened was, is I botched it so bad in the morning, they came back at night. And when I went to go to the store, they're like, no, no, not him. Get me another server. And I'm like, I'm not made for this. I resigned that later, later that night. So, so, so again, he just gets the idea of like working for men, working for a paycheck, working for the company, working for all these things. It, it's going to cr- 
creating in you something that's really negative. Because here's what it's like to work for men. You know what it's like to work for men. I know what it's like to work for men. This is what it looks like to work for men. Ready? Do as little as possible without getting caught. Remember, remember the movie Office Space where he goes and meets with the consultants? And he's like, tell me about your day. And he's like, well, you know, I come in and I basically zone out for about an hour. And then for the next hour, I do a little bit of work. And then I take off for lunch. And then the, the, when I get back from lunch, that next hour, I pretty much zone out again. And then I maybe do another hour. It's just, it's just, it's just this funny, funny story. And they're like, wow, we love your honesty. Do you remember what they said? Just, this is a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. So appear to be very busy. Remember, remember George Costanza in, in, in Seinfeld? Remember he was working for the Yankees and he figured out that if he just walked around looking down and angry and talking to himself, that everyone would believe what he did was important. He was really, really busy. Talk as though you're indispensable to the company. Yeah, you ever, not you, other people, right? Like start talking a good game, talking about what they did. Take credit for as many ideas as you can even if they're not yours. Why? Because you're working for yourself. You're working for a paycheck. You're working for a promotion. You're working for, you're working for the man. You're working for the company. You're working, jockey for position. Step on others to get ahead. Why? Because I'm just working for me or the company or the paycheck or something. But hey, Jesus, I'm just working because that's what I have to do. It's just a curse of life. It's not a curse of life. You were designed for it. And the apostle Paul said, if you want to be a Christ follower, what I want you to do is whatever. Everybody say Whatever your dream job or the crap job and everything in the middle, whatever you do, I want you to do it with all your heart, all your effort, diligence, creativity, your best possible attitude, all that stuff, because you are different. You work as if you were working for the Lord. And then he keeps going, Colossians 3.24, the very next verse, he says, since, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now I want you to, like he makes this huge leap now. He totally changes the game because you and I typically think that we work for the here and now. We work for the paycheck we're getting next week. We're working to put some money into our 401k. We're, we're kind of short-sighted in this. And what he says is this, he makes this big eternal implication. What you do now somehow affects what you get in eternity. What? Oh, snap. I, well, I didn't know that. I would have actually vacuumed the entire floor, you know? I would have filled out my TPS reports. I would, have, I would have done all those things. I would have been a better employee. I would have been a better. What he's basically saying is this, is that ultimately what you're doing now has these eternal ramifications. Because if you work for your boss you're only going to work, how many of you, like, you only work at that job for 5, 10, 20. Some of y'all, if you're lucky enough, you work at a job for 30 or 40 years or whatever. But like, if you work for that boss, that's short term. You work for that paycheck, that's short term. You, but like, when you work as unto the Lord, that is eternal. That has big long-term ramifications. What he's saying is this, is that, again, life is not compartmentalized. God's not looking at your prayer life. God's not just looking at your church attendance. God's not looking at just how you treat other people. All that stuff's important. He's actually looking at how you perform at your J-O-B. Yeah, that's like a big deal. As a matter of fact, later there's this story in Matthew chapter 25 that, that Jesus, 
he, he, he teaches the same thing in multiple places, but in, in 25, Matthew 25, it becomes really, really clear. He actually tells a story that's all about a owner and three employees. And the way the parable goes is, is that he brings in the three employees and he dishes out basically money and responsibility and time to all of them. And he says, hey, now go get to work. Let's see what you got. I'll, I'm going to go on a trip. And when I get back, we'll settle up our accounts. And of course, if you know the story, you know that the first guy went out, was a rock star, doubled his money, made a lot, did a lot. And, and he was congratulated. It was awesome. The second guy did the same thing and he was rewarded and he was congratulated. And the third guy was a lazy bum, Right? I didn't make that up. Jesus in the parable said that the master looked at the guy and said, you wicked and lazy servant. And so he gets blasted for his job performance. But here's the scripture if you want to look at it. Matthew 25 verse 23 says this. This is the key verse I want you to see. His master replied, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So what's the parable teaching you? That what you do on your job today, tomorrow, this week, next week, over the span of your career is something that God watches. Because what, again, you got to think, heaven's not fluffy clouds, chubby babies singing with a heart. It's a new heaven, a new earth. There's work involved there somehow. And how you perform now is really just an interview and a test to see what God can entrust you with in the life to come. Now, how many want God to trust you with a lot? How many want to have a great job in heaven? Half of you. Okay, so <clears throat> the, the half that didn't raise their hand will be working for the, I'm just kidding. But, but, but no, I'm, I'm just, I'm messing with you. You don't have to raise your hand. This is ridiculous. But my point is this, is like what you do now, God is watching. Because it's no different than how you would look if you were a manager or you were an owner, you would look at an employee and say, how well they perform lets me know how much I can entrust with them, how much responsibility, how much raise, how much promotion, how much elevation, how much forward advancement. That's how it works in your company. God's saying, and Paul's saying, and Jesus saying, all the same thing, that this has eternal ramifications. And if, just in case you, you, you missed it, he says this, go back to Colossians 3.24. He says, it's, it's not just as if you are working unto the Lord, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So he said, no, it's plain. I just want you, now this is huge, isn't it? I think I just ruined your weekend. I feel like, Todd, I was kind of happy mailing it in and coming to church on Sunday. And now I've challenged you and now I've put this weight on you. But I just thought I'd teach you what the Bible says because this is what I really want. I want you as your pastor to be set up for success in the here and the now. And I want you to be set up for in eternal reward and blessing in the life to come. And I would hate for you to get to heaven and be like, nobody ever told me this. Now I've got the job in heaven that I don't want. Or I got to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want you. I, I want to have prepared you. I want you to get to heaven and be like, oh, no, no, I knew this was coming. And I started working hard and I started being diligent. I put in all my heart, all my effort, all my diligence so that God could reward me in this life and in the life to come. Here are four big summary kind of statements to, to kind of wrap up what we just talked about. Number one is this, is that your work has eternal implications even if it has no eternal value. There's a temptation in you to say, well, Todd, that sounds great, but you're a preacher and you, you, know, you, 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 you get people saved for crying out loud. You, know, you, you actually have eternal you know, whatever with your job or you, know, you baptize people or you dedicate people or you counsel people. You, your job actually matters. You don't know what I do. 
You know, if I were a pastor, if I were a doctor, if I cured blind eyes, if I helped people, if I, if I, and you have your own version of what that would look like, and what Paul is saying is no. It's, everybody say whatever. It's just whatever you do. Whatever you do now, even if what you do seems like it has no real big implications, it does have some type of eternal value. That's just the way that it is. Number two is this, is how you perform your work is more important than where you work. I don't care if you work at Cisco or 7-Eleven. You can be a faithful, diligent, creative employee at 7-Eleven or at Cisco. You can work at Apple or you can just just sell apples. Either way, you can be great at what you do. There's nothing, it's just, everybody say whatever. It's just whatever you do, you do it with all your heart and how you do it is more important than where you do it. That's what God is really looking for. Um, There's this other, there's all kinds of movies about work if you haven't picked up on that. But like, do you guys remember the movie City Slickers? It was this movie and, and, and Billy Crystal has this struggle, I think that some of us struggle with. If you remember, the beginning of the movie starts with him going um, I think to like career day where you bring your dad in or your mom in to talk about their careers. And then like the kid brings in his dad and his dad's like a fireman. And he tells this story about going into a raging inferno and saving lives and doing all this stuff. And then the kids like cheer at the end of the story. And then Billy Crystal gets up and he goes, um, I sell air. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he goes on to have to explain to them how radio works and how you sell advertising on radio. And it's in essence, I sell air. And it's in that moment that he comes to the conclusion that he hates his job and he basically has a midlife crisis and goes and runs out to the West to ride horses, right? Isn't that the premise? This is one thing. Anyway, you can tell I watch a lot of TV. So, and, and this is the struggle that sometimes you and I deal with. We're like, but I sell air. You know, I don't care what you do. It's just whatever. And it's not about selling air or where you work. It's about what you do while you're there. Number three is this is how you perform is just as important as how you behave. See, now let me, let me adjust you, Christian, because there's some of you that roll up into work with your Christian bumper sticker and you got your, your Jesus coffee mug with the scripture on it. And then you tell everybody about Jesus, but you're actually not a good employee. Yeah, we're talking about other people. This is so you can help other people. But, but, but if you're a Christian, see, there's, this, there's a thing about Christians that say, well, well, my witness matters. And that's absolutely true. Your character is so important. I want you to be the most upright and integrous and high moral character person at work. But you can't go around floating the name of Jesus and then show up late, leave early, take long lunches and be the worst employee there. Can I get a what, what? Can... So my, my point is, is that actually, if you're a Christ follower, you should be the greatest employee. Like you, and I'm not saying you got to have the best sales figure. Some people are just great at that. But like, you should always do your best, give your best and do it with all your heart and have the utmost of character and integrity on the job site. You can't just, because the Christian, for the Christian, it's real easy to lean into the one and miss the other. I'm going to tell you that both of them are really, really important. Number four is this. This putting your heart into your work allows God to bless your work. Now, here's what I know as a pastor. Because I have people come to me all the time. They want prayer, they want counseling, they want help or whatever. And they say stuff like, Pastor, will you please help me? And I, I want to pray and I want God to bless my whatever. And you just feel like my marriage. 
And so what do I need to do, pastor? And so I tell them, well, hey, look, you've got to invite God into your marriage and you need to do marriage God's way. Because when you do marriage God's way, it, it, it basically just opens the floodgate for God to bless what you're doing. If you do everything not God's way, it is really, really, really hard for God to bless you. So in your parenting, in your money, like people come out and talk, God, I really want God to bless my finances. So what do I tell them? You need to do God's finances his way. You need to walk in these biblical principles and that invites God's blessing into that. So, so again, life is not compartmentalized. It's the same thing. How many of you want God to bless your work? To God bless what you're doing and help you elevate and grow or help your company grow or help your sales field, whatever it is. How do you do that? You do work God's way. And by doing it God's way, you invite God's blessing into your life. I'm telling you, this is so huge. And I wrote this down. I just thought it was a little clever. Is, is that ultimately many of us have these dreams and desires, whether it's to start our own business or to elevate within a company or to make more money. And we have these desires, but God is actually waiting on our faithfulness to catch up to our desires so that he can make our dreams come true. The problem is, is that God can't bless you because you're not prepared or ready to handle it just yet. You wouldn't know what to do with it if you did get it because you're not actually doing it God's way just yet. But when we do it as unto the Lord, when we do it with all of our heart, when we do it God's way, I'm just telling you, this is how we get God to bless our nine to five. The first time I ever learned this, because um, even working in church, I've been working full-time in churches since I was about 20 years old. Um, Sometimes I work part-time in, in addition to that, but 20, 20, so when I was 20 years old, I started working in churches. And I remember one of my first jobs was I was in charge of the chairs. Now, as a youth group, because I was in, in youth ministry, as a youth group, you destroy chairs, okay? So, like, we would mess up the chairs, destroy the chairs, the chairs would get all messed up because teenagers just going everywhere and bumping the chairs or whatever. And it was my responsibility to make sure the chairs were set after youth group was done so they were ready to go for the Sunday morning service. And so I remember I was dating uh, this pretty little thing on the front row here, and, and her and I would actually stay after everybody was gone because you had to wait for the whole place to clear out, and we would literally go row by row, row by row. And I, I remember she would get on the end, and then I would get with each chair, and I had to debump it. And, debump it. and I, I remember being challenged, like, okay, this is dumb. I got into ministry to change lives. I got in ministry to make an impact. I got in ministry, so I, I always, and I started making sure the chairs we're in perfect alignment. And that was, I think, where, where God taught me this for the very first time. It was like, hey, look, if you'll do this with the utmost of excellence, if you'll give your best to this, I'm telling you, you can get further along down there. You can do whatever. So whatever it is that you do. So these are the two big questions I would leave you with today. Number one is this, is what if you went to work and you worked as unto the Lord? What would that look like for you? And I, I'm not saying like forever. That's too hard, right? What about Tomorrow? Right? How many got to work tomorrow? Okay. So tomorrow, this is my challenge to you. You can totally disregard everything I say. If you get out of here, you're like, that was dumb. Okay. But what if tomorrow you went to work and you worked as if Jesus was your boss? You weren't working for a man. You weren't working for a paycheck. You weren't working for a company. You weren't even working for yourself. What would it look like even? I don't even know for you. Holy Spirit would have to speak to you. I don't know what that would look like. What time would you show up? How would you do? How would you talk? How would you perform? How would you? I have no idea. I'm asking you the question. This is what I want you to wrestle with. What 
would, what would it look like if you went and worked as you were working unto the Lord? Second question is this, and this is something that some of you need to wrestle with. Number one, number two is this, is can you do your work as unto the Lord with a clear conscience? Because every once in a while, and this is not the majority of you, every once in a while I run into some people that have a struggle in their heart with their job. Like they're struggling about, like, I don't even know if this job is ethical. I don't even know that I feel good. It was like what I felt like when I called you at dinner time and tried to sell things that you didn't need. I'm like, I think this is bothering my conscience. I don't think this is something I can even do with a clear conscience because I feel like I'm misleading people into like stupidity. So again, it was just something I, I, I had to struggle with. I had to wrestle with. What would it look like if you went to work tomorrow and began to work as unto the Lord? And for those of you, a really small percentage of you, what you do right now, is there anything that you do that there's a conflict in your conscience where you say, you know what, God, I don't even know that this is the work I should be doing. I think, God, I, I want to get out of this and I pray that you would open up doors of opportunity for me. But here's the big thing is that I believe about you and I is that we really, really care about that nine to five. We want God to bless that nine to five. It's such a huge aspect of our life. It's something that we care about for most of us. And we want God to bless us. And all I'm asking you to do is this, is, is, is realize these two big ideas. Number one is, is that God designed you for work and he takes pleasure when you work well. And the best way for you to do that is for you to go to work tomorrow and work as if you were working for the Lord. Let's pray this morning. So Father, I don't know what these great people need to do right now. God, that's up to you. God, I don't know what you need to say to them. I don't know what convictions they might have. I don't know if they got inspired today, God. I pray tomorrow, though, that they go to work and they have like, Holy Spirit, you're just walking with them. That you're teaching them, you're guiding them, you're showing them, you're revealing to them. God, that this nine to five is huge. It's not just something we do to pass the time. It's not just something we do for a paycheck, but it's something that you are actually watching and observing. That it's a, it's a test in essence. It's, a, it's an interview process in essence to see, God, will we be faithful? Will we be diligent? Will we give our best and do our best? Will we do it with all of our heart? And so God, I pray that you would encourage these great people, God, to go into their jobs tomorrow and work as if they were working for you. And in doing so, God, I pray that you would bless them right now in this life and in the life to come. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, give me a good gospel. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.